All right, people. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report direct message live from the great state of Texas. That's right, guys. I am in Dallas, the free city in the free state of Texas. Uh, I am here at Blaze Studios, and I'm doing a bunch of shows with Glenn and the crew all day. Bunch of meetings, a lot going on. I'll be here today and tomorrow. We got some special surprises on the way. I'm feeling very good about the, the lighting right now. God, I've never looked better. It's amazing. Look at that hair. Um, there is a lot happening in the world right now. Uh, this GameStop situation and the Robin Hood traders and the system striking back on people, that, that's where I want to focus the, the first portion of the show today because it's actually crazy. If you thought that our institutions were crumbling, if you thought our cultural and political institutions were having problems, well, our financial institutions are in a real humdinger of a mess right now. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about a little more incompetence coming out of our new administration uh, and that you're not going to believe this, uh, but big tech may be coming for more people than just the YouTubers and the mean tweeters. They may be coming for all the podcasters. That's on the way, too. Uh, before I get to any of that, though, guys, I want to talk to you about Agard watches. Uh, you know, they sent me a watch yesterday and I was going to bring it. I was going to wear the watch on my wrist today. I'm a lefty, so I was gonna wear it on my right wrist today, but it arrived just as I was running out of the house and I left it right there, but they, they really make gorgeous watches. Uh, the CEO of Agard Watches has used the brand to take an absolutely strong, no BS stance against censorship and the continued lockdowns with an incredibly powerful video that is called What is Freedom, which has gone viral. It's here on YouTube. I watched it this morning. It's actually, it's really great. It's very much a synopsis of everything that I've been talking about on this show. Their TBL watch is a functional, sturdy, reliable piece designed to honor our law enforcement officials. Agard watches stand proudly with our law enforcement officers and are proud to give 15% of all profits from this piece to law enforcement charities. Watches are undeniably one of the most notable ways to express yourself. Ah, I wish I was wearing the watch. Perhaps the most historic of all accessories, actually. All Agard watches are incredibly unique and well-crafted. Whether you're an avid watch wearer or you're finally coming around to the idea of adding a designer watch to your wardrobe, there are several different styles and movements that you can choose from. Visit Agard watches, that's with an E, egardwatches.com. Use discount code RUBIN to get 15% off your next timepiece. That's agardwatches.com, discount code RUBIN. And now back to me here in Dallas. Okay, so I'm sure you guys are all tracking uh, this GameStop story. Now, before I get into the specifics of the story and the reaction from the White House, which is actually hilarious, well, well it's actually kind of depressing. It's depressingly hilarious or hilariously depressing. Uh, I do want to note that as everyone's talking about GameStop right now, you guys know that at one time, I think most of you know this, I, I was a pretty decent gamer. Okay, I grew up playing the, uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System, 8-bit Nintendo Entertainment System. I remember when my buddy John, who's here right now, he was the first friend of mine when we were, what, like, uh, we were about nine years old or so to get Nintendo. And uh, at one time, I was so good at Super Mario Brothers that using the warp, uh, I could beat the entire game in 10 minutes and 30 seconds. That was something that I was able to accomplish in uh, about 1995, I think sophomore year of college. Wasn't doing much studying back then. Anyway, I was assistant manager. My first job out of uh, college was assistant manager at Electronics Boutique 
which some of you who are a little older may remember Electronics Boutique. That was the big video game store in basically all the malls across America. I was an assistant manager there. I moved more Pokemon Red in 99 than anybody. You couldn't get one for Game Boy without going through me, okay? Especially if you lived on the Eastern Seaboard. Um, but Electronics Boutique was eventually acquired by GameStop. So you see how I made this story sort of relevant to what's going on here. So I'm, I'm an integral part of this GameStop story. Now, before I tell you the specifics of the story, I thought it would be funny to show you the White House reaction to the story first. So even if you don't know exactly what's going on here, I think you'll understand why I wanna show you the White House reaction to this GameStop short sell story first. This is White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Is the White House concerned about the stock market activity we're seeing around GameStop, um, and now with some other stocks as well, uh, including the, the subsidiary or whatever, the, the company that was uh, Blockbuster? Um, and have there been any conversations with the F SEC about uh, how to proceed? Well, um, I'm also happy to repeat that we have the first female Treasury Secretary and a team that's surrounding her and often questions about market we'll send to them. But our team is, of course, our economic team, including Secretary Yellen and others, are monitoring uh, the situation. It's a good reminder, though, that the stock market isn't the only measure of the health of our, econo our economy. It doesn't reflect how working and middle class families are doing. Uh, as you all know from covering this, we're in the midst of a K-shaped recovery. America's workers are struggling to make ends meet, which is why the president has introduced this urgent package to get immediate relief to families. All right, so the reason I wanted to show you that clip before I explain the story to you is because, guys, we've got a woman in charge of the Treasury Secretary, right? She's, the Treasury Secretary is a woman and she's got a team around her, so don't even worry about the story I'm about to tell you about the, the hedge funds collapsing. There's nothing to worry about because a woman's in charge, so everything will be just fine. You understand? That's the, that's the primacy of, that this administration has put on equity. If a woman's in charge of things, it'll be okay. If you got a gay guy doing transportation, don't worry, the roads aren't gonna implode. If you've got a trans woman in charge of health, don't worry about COVID, everything's gonna be just fine. That's the ridiculousness that we're putting up with. So if you don't know the story, I'm gonna just read a quote from CNBC that'll give you just a, a tiny bite of it because I don't wanna overload you with too much here. Uh, this is from CNBC. Shares of GameStop ballooned to more than 400% this week and nearly 1,750% this year thanks to emboldened retail investors in Reddit chat rooms trying to stick it to the Wall Street pros. The rookies are piling into names heavily shorted by hedge funds, squeezing the stocks higher as the institutions rush to cover their losses. Shares of the AM, of AMC Entertainment are up nearly 300% this week. It goes on to talk about Robinhood, which is the app that you can download so you can get in the game yourself and not do it through a big brokerage house. Robinhood customers took to Twitter to express their outrage surrounding the decision. Robinhood has made a name for itself through its mission to democratize investing for everyone. The Silicon Valley startup with more than 13 million users pioneered free trading, forcing the entire brokerage industry to drop commissions in late 2019. Okay, so this is, this is really extraordinary stuff. So without getting into too much of the nitty gritty of, of short sales on stocks, and I'll be totally upfront with you, this is not totally my area of expertise, okay? So we're gonna, as we talk about this over the coming weeks, I'll try to bring in some people that are absolute experts in this stuff, but in essence, the, the big brokerage houses were shorting these stocks of GameStop, of AMC, of the company that formerly was Blockbuster Video and a bunch of it, 
in an effort to then make more money as the companies failed, a bunch of Reddit people and Robinhood app people, just regular old people like you watching this. And I bought some of GameStop yesterday in the midst of all this. I bought a whopping $50 worth, which I think is probably worth about 58 bucks now. Uh, a bunch of people basically started buying it because they just liked the idea of kind of screwing over the brokerage houses, inflating the stock of something, in this case GameStop, that really isn't worth anything, right? Malls are all closed. It's not like brick and mortar stores are doing that well. So this is like an actual revolution by the people. Now what's more interesting about this story is not just that the people on their own are increasing the value of a stock while the hedge fund guys are trying to short it and destroy it, right? That, that's interesting in and of itself. But what's particularly interesting is now the reaction of the machine. And when I talk about the machine, you may call it the machine, you may call it the swamp, whatever you wanna call it. This machinery that always sort of exists. That, that sort of keeps power where power is. Well, here's a tweet from Robinhood. Now remember, this is the app that was designed to give the people back the power so that they could trade as they see fit. Uh, the quote in their tweet, in light of current market volatility, we are restricting transactions for certain securities to position closing only, including AMC and GME. So AMC is the theater, GME is GameStop. Read more here. Okay, so that's super interesting. The very people who have given us the power to trade on our own, right, and, and caused something to allow you to make financial decisions that are better for you without all the fees, without going through major brokerage things, to just use your little bit, bits of money and, and have some skin in the game and get into the market and all that stuff, all of this really cool stuff. Uh, David has the app, by the way, and he does a whole bunch of stuff on there. Uh, not major amounts of money, but just has fun like little trades and makes a little bit here and whatever it is. And I'm sure you guys are doing it too. Well, now they obviously, some pressure was brought to bear to the point that they issued a statement that they just stopped allowing sales which is completely against their mission statement as a company. So there's gonna be obviously massive lawsuits, there's gonna be crazy investigations. So all, so all hell is sort of breaking loose here. So I was trying to find a tweet or two from, from some experts who I actually respect, who could shed some light on onto the situation. One is Charles Payne, who's over at Fox Business, and he had this to say, the GameStop phenomenon, old Wall Street and paid commentators whined all day about GameStop, and dissed retail investors, the same folks that dissed and missed Tesla. If they are so confident retail investors are so dumb, then why these then these mavens should short these stocks themselves? Sorry, I need a little water. Hang on a second here. So in essence, what he's saying is let the system work. If, if trading is supposed to be free, if the stock market is supposed to be a place that anyone can get in and anyone can short a stock or inflate a stock or play a game and be wise to how the world is working, then every, every rule you know, should be off right now. Everyone should be being able to be part of the game. But now you've got the company that democratized the thing in Robinhood actually stopping people from trading. It is absolutely crazy. So as I said, I own some of this GameStop stuff and I can't do anything with it right now. If I go into my app, it actually, it says it's frozen or it's, they're just not trading or whatever it is. Anyway, this story, this is like the story right now. And I think this has massive, massive repercussions on virtually every part of society. Because as I said earlier, you guys all know about the institutional collapses that we're having at the educational level. You get it at the cultural level, you get it at the political level, you get it at the journalistic level, that all of the big things are collapsing. And now suddenly, 
it looks like the, the mortgage houses, the brokerage houses, the big money people don't even understand what the internet is doing, right? If this is a bunch of people who coordinate on Reddit. Look, Reddit can be a real freaking hellscape of evil people, but these are just people who are coordinating to go in and put little bits of money to inflate the stock as the big guys were shorting the stock. And then what happens is now the big guys are gonna have to pay it back, but it's worth a lot more and they ain't gonna have any money. I think the, the, the main, uh, the main trading house on this thing that was trying to short could be down like a, like $1.5 billion, something like that. So this, this is just crazy. And I think it's going to bring together a lot of the issues that we talk about here in terms of economic populism and the elites versus everybody else. And that most of the issues of the day, it is not left versus right. It's not even conservative versus liberal. It's sort of the powers that be versus everybody else. And every single time it seems that there's a populist movement whether it was the Tea Party movement of Ron Paul a decade ago, or it was the Trump MAGA movement, or now a movement of just online people to, to do what they want to do with their own money, the machine seems to crush down on people. So I think we're just gonna see more and more of this, and I think the cascading effects throughout the economy are gonna be wild. But fear not, people, we have a female Treasury Secretary, a woman's in charge, everything's gonna be just fine. Give them all your money and all your power. Uh, let's move on to the second story. Speaking of, uh, we've got this female uh, Treasury Secretary. John Kerry's back, right? John Kerry, who, you know, he was a marginal senator, never really did anything. He did marry into the Heinz family, so he's got the big ketchup money, um, but really never did anything. He failed his presidential bid. He was a pretty terrible uh, Secretary of State under Barack Obama. There's that incredible video, we played it once, but I'm sure many of you guys have seen it already, of him talking about peace in the Middle East and that you can't go to other countries first, you have to do everything through the Palestinians, and it's like completely the reverse of everything that's happened in the last couple of years. Like this guy has been wrong on every major decision that he has made, period. He's, what, what has he accomplished? Someone tell me what he has accomplished. Well, his head keeps getting bigger. I, so I, I don't know, he's injecting ketchup maybe, I'm not sure. but. Besides the size of his head, everything, this guy's just sort of accomplished nothing. Well, he now has, he's now in charge of our environmental policy because if you can't really do anything else, it's like, okay, well, the world's gonna end in 12 years according to AOC, let's get John Kerry involved. Uh, here's John Kerry from the White House press briefing room earlier this week. They are seeing an end to their livelihoods. Uh, what, what do you say to them, particularly those people who, who President Trump struck a chord with on the campaign trail when he promised to save their jobs. What is your message to them right now? And also to the oil industry executives who are listening, are you putting them on notice today? Well, we didn't come here to put anybody on notice except to the seriousness of uh, President Biden's intent to uh, do what needs to be done to deal with this crisis, and it is a crisis. Um, with respect to uh, those workers, no... <laughs> No two people are more uh, in this room are more concerned about it. And the president of the United States has expressed in every comment he has made about uh, climate the need to uh, grow the new jobs that pay better, that are cleaner. Is it just me or did he just tell all those oil and gas workers to learn to code? Remember that from a year ago that was going around Twitter for a long time that people were telling much like this, this Robin Hood gamer GameStop story 
um, where people started doing a movement and then the system crushes down on it. Remember there was this movement where a lot of journalists were being told to learn to code and Twitter actually stopped the trend. They didn't want people tweeting at journalists to learn to code, meaning get a real job. Uh, so they stopped the trend and banned all these accounts. That sounds very, very similar to what John Kerry just said right there, which is, yeah, you guys have jobs, but there's a crisis. There's an environmental crisis. And only if we go into the fields that I'm sure I have all sorts of financial connections in, and everyone I know has financial connections in, can we solve the crisis. And then you guys will learn to code, meaning you'll get new jobs. Now, I want to be very clear. I actually am sympathetic to the idea that we could start doing more with renew renewable resources. The idea that there are new ways to think about how we get power and what we do in, in a time when the economy is changing and the whole world is changing. And there are guys like Elon Musk that are doing awful lot uh, to help those things along. Um, but the dismissiveness of just, yeah, you'll get a new job, we'll, we'll retrain you of just the disdain that they have for the average working person is just extraordinary. And I checked while the, while the video was playing there, John Kerry is worth $250 million. $250 million. Are any of you watching this worth $250 million? If you are, we're looking for investors and locals. Uh, but if not, uh, do you understand that this, this is what the elite class who wants to live a certain way. John Kerry has a private plane, by the way. He's also telling you about carbon emissions and uh, you know, environmental justice and environmental equity. That's a new one, we're hearing that all the time. Um, but yes, you guys go learn to code, go get new jobs. But we here in the government, we can make an awful lot of money on all of this stuff and we can just recycle the same old people who have never done good at virtually anything. Someone please in the comment section, can you please tell me something good that John Kerry has ever done? I, I just don't know what it is. Uh, but speaking of incompetent people in government, there seems to be a theme to the show today. Uh, we've got some video from C-SPAN. Uh, this is uh, the new president, Joe Biden, and ah, just take a look. In the weeks ahead, I'll be uh, reaffirming the federal government's commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and accessibility, building on the work we started in the Obama-Biden administration. That's why I'm rescinding the previous administration's harmful ban on diversity and sensitivity training and abolish the offensive counterfactual 1776 commission. Unity and healing. Everything that old man just said there was complete nonsense. First of all, yes, Trump did get critical race theory. We've talked about this many times on the show. Obviously, he did get it out of the federal institutions. This diversity training was actually injecting racism into the system, meaning that there are no laws in the federal government that stop anyone from getting any sort of job based on the color of their skin. And by the way, if there were such laws, I would be railing against them. But there are no such laws, right? We all know that. There's no law in the United States government that says you as a black person can't have a job because of this, or you as a white person can't have a job at this, although it's coming, because what he's saying now is we're getting rid, we're injecting, uh, we're getting rid, in essence, of what Trump did, which was stopping this stuff from being here. So now we're injecting critical race theory in, in which case they're going to want equity, right? And what is equity? We're going to have to have this many black people and this many Asian people and this many white people and this many gay people and this many women and all these things, thus discriminating. And I say this all the time, but call me old school. I would hire people uh, based on their skills, their skills and their competence. That, that's me. When I hire, I have two companies now. When I hire, I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care what your gender is or any of that stuff. Are, are you able to do the job? 
are you able to do the job? Do you, do you seem like a decent person? Do you seem hardworking and committed and you want to grow together? Then you can have the job. Uh, but we are about to inject all of that stuff back into the system. And then, by the way, he talked about the 1776 project, which the Trump administration had been working on for a couple months, and it was basically the idea that we were going to put some patriotism, some sense of something pro-America back into our public schools. Now, that is not to say, and, and God knows Joe Biden didn't read the entire 1776 project, obviously. I have not read the entire thing myself. However, I did sit in a meeting at the White House about the 1776 project, and I can tell you that everything that I heard in that meeting, I did not speak even in the meeting for, for two hours, I just listened, and they talked about uh, patriotism and telling an honest uh, history of the United States, not denying slavery, not doing talking about anything racist, actually grappling with the realities of our past, talking about how these were people of their time, and as I often talk about, you know, a guy like Thomas Jefferson who owned slaves while also writing the laws that would free the slave, an honest assessment and acknowledgement of what America is and putting that into our public curriculum because so much of it has been just decimated by wokeism, right? Where we're, we're taught, our young people, our students, our children are taught that America is fundamentally evil, that the, the first driver of America was slavery. I mean, it's absolute nonsense, but that they just dismiss they just absolutely dismissed the 1776 project, and I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he called it racist. He called it actually racist. I mean, everything's racist. I know it's racist. Your lunch is racist. Your hat is racist. Everything's racist. Paper's racist. We're all, uh, racism, it's everywhere. Which I thought he got rid of racism. Didn't he sign an executive order, no more racism, the other day? So it's like, man, I guess that thing didn't work. Um, anyway, this is just more sort of drivel from these people. And it's, I think it's just important uh, to be aware of such things. And that's actually a perfect segue to our final segment today because uh, one of the ways that you can stay aware of these things is through YouTube, right? Like these are not the things that they're really talking about on CNN. I know you're not watching CNN unless you're watching for laughs. But in essence, if you watch mainstream media, they're not going to really talk about why you wouldn't want diversity and inclusion training in the government, right? They would just tell you, oh, it's diversity. Joe Biden signed the thing to get rid of Trump's ban on diversity and inclusion training. And then you hear that and you go, wait a minute, diversity is good, inclusion is good, that must be good. That's what the average blue-pilled person is thinking. And if you just consume mainstream media, you know, in a weird way, it's not your fault. You've been brainwashed for a long time and they're gonna just continue mass brainwashing you. And they'll also tell you, oh, don't worry that the economy's crashing, a woman's in charge of it. Oh, what happened? Your brother just drove a, a car right off the road that uh, disappeared in the middle, there was supposed to be a bridge, there was nothing there. Don't worry, a gay guy's in charge of transportation. Oh, everybody you know has COVID and we're sending old people back into the old age homes to die. Don't worry, the assistant to the health secretary is trans. That's what is being just, just absolutely pushed on us right now. And it is, it is all deeply connected to what I started with about, about GameStop, the, just the crumbling of the institutions. Okay, we get it. You guys, though, if you're watching this on YouTube or you watch Blaze TV or you watch Daily Wire or whatever it is, however you get your information outside of the mainstream, that is what is causing this, this mass awakening of America, not mass wokening of America, which because I think it's actually a very small but loud and, and scary group of people that keeps everybody woke. I don't think most people believe it. I think it's a bunch of obvious nonsense that, that actually any 12-year-old can really understand that you want to be judged as you, not as you know, the, the color of your skin or your body parts. 
Um, so those of you that watch these shows, uh, you guys are understanding that there's something very different happening, which is why, see what I did here, it's why the system now is coming after all of us. So it's not just that they took out Donald Trump and they're gonna move on. Trump can't be on Spotify, right? It can't be on Twitter, it can't be on Spotify, it's so stupid. Um, it's not just that they got him and they're moving on. Well, now they're making, and I've covered a couple of these in the last few weeks, that you know Trump supporters and conservatives have to be deprogrammed. These are dangerous people. They're not just Nazis anymore. They're also domestic terrorists. Uh, well, MSNBC did a segment a day or two ago uh, suggesting that Apple should extend YouTube's bannings and all of the restrictions that they have to podcasters, to just independent podcasters. I've said enough. Take a look. Social media's big crackdown against false information, fringy conspiracy theories, the kind that many argue led to that deadly attack on the Capitol a few weeks ago. But there is one mainstream platform where that kind of content is still up and reaching millions of people. That's Apple's podcast app. Take Steve Bannon, for example. He is banned from Twitter. He is banned from YouTube. But you can still get his podcast streamed through Apple's app. That's where, according to some new extensive reporting from ProPublica, Bannon says he gets millions of listeners and is free to broadcast things like election denialism, apocalyptic calls to action several times a day. Okay, so I'm pretty sure MSNBC just did a full-on commercial for Steve Bannon's podcast, which I haven't listened to, but I'm going to guess is probably better than MSNBC, but putting that aside for just a moment, what they are now saying to you is that you, person holding this little device that we all have in our pockets that's listening to us and stealing our souls, uh, that it's not just that we're gonna ban certain thoughts and ban certain people, but also the things that you listen to, we are going to systematically look into each one, and if they fall out of the mainstream, we're gonna get rid of them. So I, don't, I truly don't know what Steve Bannon is doing on his podcast, but the point is, we do still have free speech in America. And I get it, this is not necessarily the government coming, although when you have a giant corporation like MSNBC pushing giant podcast distribution networks to get rid of things, it starts coming kind of close to government because of the, the ties between big tech and big government. But I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that Steve Bannon probably wasn't inciting violence directly or doing something illegal. But even if he was, then it would be the job of the United States government to apply the laws and arrest him or do whatever they must do. The idea here is that, of course, what they're gonna say is everyone, it, again, this is one of those things, it was like it was never gonna stop with Alex Jones, it was never gonna stop with Donald Trump, it's not gonna stop with Steve Bannon, and eventually they'll tell you that Glenn Beck is too scary, and eventually they'll tell you that Shapiro's too scary, and eventually they'll tell you that I'm too scary, and that, what are you gonna do at that point? What are you gonna do at that point? So this is the great challenge of our time. I've never been more focused on, on solving this thing. I think a lot of people are waking up really, really fast. As you guys know, this is exactly why I created Locals.com. Finally, I can tell you this, we, we've run this company now for two years. It's been growing really, really nicely. We're getting our, our hockey stick growth right now. A lot of people flocking to Locals. Um, and finally, in the last couple of weeks, because of all the craziness, Silicon Valley, people that wouldn't take my calls when I was trying to reach out to them before, suddenly they're reaching out to us and we're having a lot of discussions with people because there's a chance now, there's a chance to fix some of this stuff. Uh, check out what we're building at rubenreport.locals.com and that's of course where you can communicate directly with me. By the way, if you want more insight into all of the craziness of how the financial world works, how stocks work, short sales, all of this stuff, 
I interviewed Jordan Belfort two days ago, so it was right before the, the GameStop stuff was happening. Jordan Belfort is the, is the original wolf of Wall Street. He is the guy that wrote the book based on his own life that Leo DiCaprio filmed that incredible, incredible movie. I, th I think it's one of the best movies of the last 20 years, probably. So I have Jordan Belfort, part one, is on YouTube right now, and uh, the full episode is at rubenreport.locals.com, totally ad-free. And tomorrow, guys, I will be back right here in Dallas in a different studio. They've got incredible, I mean, these guys really have just incredible studios here in, in Dallas. Maybe I'll give you guys a tour a little later. Uh, but we'll be doing a live panel with three of the Blaze hosts, who I won't mention right now, just to give you a little bit of a surprise that, of course, will be at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And uh, all right, I got a million things to do. Oh, and I think we're gonna do a live meet and greet in Dallas tonight for Ruben Report members only. So I will be posting our secret meeting place a little bit later on the Locals community for subscribers only. So if you wanna have a drink with me and you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, rubenreport.locals.com. All right, everybody, have a great day.